X メンとは悪の脅威から人類を守り人類とミュータントの平和的共存を実現するために組織されたミュータントヒーローチームであるはい。Is a very special episode of Battle of the Atom. This is an episode all about manga inspired X Men titles. Some of them. We're not going to go through all of them, but we have three really interesting choices today that we want to talk about. Yeah, yeah, this is, this is three. That's our, that's our deal. We, go, we do three an episode. It's our,、yep. it's our whole pitch, Adam. You know this. <laughs> You're on top of it. That's the format. We're sticking to it. Yeah, no. So we've got, we've got three of them. It's some weird stuff. So,、oh、boy. yeah, this is, we're going to get into that. We don't need to spend time up front doing that. But before we do that,、uh, I wanted to give a baseline for where my and manga's relationship is. Because I'm a big comic reader.、Mm-hmm. I, Adam, I've read maybe five issues of Dragon Ball Z. And I say issues, you know, they're, they're like the manga books, the, the little the, books. The little, little, little digest size books. And the fact that I know there's going to be fans out there that are screaming at me for calling it the wrong thing <laughs> can let you guys know what I know about this. This is not a art form that I'm very familiar with. I never watched a lot of anime when I was ever, like,、mm-hmm. I guess as an adult and also when I was younger. I watched the Pokemon anime. Does that count? That counts. I mean,、yeah. Counting it. We are、sure. counting it. Let's do it. Yeah. And how about yourself, Adam? Uh, you know, I got to say, for the actual manga, it's very, very limited to almost like nothing. My anime experience, I feel like I'm kind of jaded on this.、Um, as a high school teacher, I actually、uh, was the advisor for some students who ran an anime club, and I found myself not really. Wanting to watch a lot of the stuff that they were bringing in.、Um, I know that's harsh. Man, the, if you're an anime fan and you're listening to this, I deeply apologize. But I feel like the, the lexicon for me begins with Akira,、um, maybe extends through Miyazaki movies,、um, uh, Ghost in the Shell, and then the most. In depth, I've ever gotten with anything is Evangelion,、um, having watched just about all, I think, anything that ever was made about that. Including the, the reboot、um, huh. that, that is slowly being released over the years. The fourth one's still upcoming. But that's about, you know, I feel like it's so superficial, you know, that it's not a real deep dive for me at all.、Um, but I think that's important for people to know that we're not coming at this saying that we're experts about this at all. Oh, absolutely not. So、uh, the first story we have is Marvel Mangaverse X Men. This was written by C.B. Sabolsky with. Art by Jeff Matsuda. And it's, this is interesting. This is, this is an yeah, odd I, one. Can I ask a question here? I think this is probably a good way to, to segue from what we were just talking about into this book.、Um, if you were just to read this alone, assuming that this was manga, 
what would you assume manga was based on reading this one shot? Very odd. Like it's <laughs> this. So this is a weird thing. Uh, just just to get some grounding, the manga verse was something that Marvel did in you know early two thousands. Uh, it ran from two thousand to two thousand two. So this is right during the big boom. Uh, this is this is when people found out about Toonami. Like mm-hmm. people, people who are my age are like, "Oh, this is a really cool thing. We should watch this all the time, and we should read it all the time." You we know, should. I, I was yeah. telling you before we went on the air. You know, I I worked for years at a Barnes and Noble, and it just exploded. You know, you went from having a couple comic books somewhere in the store to being this entire section of these, you know, little big three hundred page books, um, filling up shelves and shelves and shelves and shelves. So there's definitely a, a market they're trying to tap into here, right? So what's odd about this? So this, the Mangaverse, it was Western comics creators reimagining Western characters through an Eastern manga lens. So the mm. art was the art was manga inspired, but in the same way that like a Chris Bachelot is manga inspired, or a uh, uh, what's his name? He can't can't hold a, a deadline to save his life, but he was really good. Uh, Joe Mad. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. Like it's. You can tell there's an influence there, but I don't think I would, if I was just flipping through this, seeing panels randomly, I wouldn't say, oh yeah, this is manga. This is, this is what I've come to expect is manga. No, it doesn't strike you to, especially this book of the three we're talking about, doesn't strike to have, uh, strike me as having the hallmarks of the visual style. Mm -hmm. This one's very cartoony. Um, and a lot of face tattoos uh, that there seems is. to be a recurring theme that everyone has some sort of like facial and or you know <laughs> full body tattoo of some kind yeah this is um, making this is making age of apocalypse look bad because they've got they got face tattoos you know for all yeah. get out yeah they're going down up and down the legs and the arms and um you know the storyline here is also i mean it's a one shot so mm-hmm. it is trying to cram an intense amount of uh, stuff into into what it's got. So the pacing on this is a little bit rushed, um, and a then a little, lot of a it little. just yeah. I mean they 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 fly through through this quick story, um, and a lot of this just seems to be maybe you disagree, but it feels like just an excuse to try out some new character designs. Um, kind let of them walk around a little bit because they touch everything. So because the, the main team in this of X Men. It is Wolverine and Cyclops, who are brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Storm, one who, having chopped the other one's arm off, and one having her... stabbed the other one in the face. <laughs> uh, Storm, is who great. is a witch, but mm-hmm. not really a mutant. And there's a lot of people who are witches. There's a lot of witches yeah. in this. Well, because Amanda Sefton is is on page one, which I was like, oh, okay, I'm I might like this. This is yeah. d- digging deep. That's an interesting cut. Yeah, you've got Jean Grey, who Jean in this. Literally, her role is to like boys. Mm. It said she's traded off Logan for Cyclops or something or other. It's the worst version of that love triangle. And then there's... I, I don't think she's ever actually addressed, but it's Psylocke, right? Uh, no. No, that's actually supposed to be Mirage. Which, it's so interesting that you said that. What? Because I had to look it up. Because it never explicitly says in the book she that it is Danny... That it's Danny Moonstar, but um, a couple of the recaps that I read did say that that is supposed to be who that character is. She but, has purple hair. But you would not know it from reading the book. 
This is an Eastern-inspired thing. Why would you not use the X-Men's number one ninja girl? Um, I There's a lot of weird things happening here. Um, but that's my understanding, is that that is supposed to be Danny Moonstar. Um, okay, that's weird. That is really weird. Um, but it's also weird that we don't, like... Both of us could be right <laughs> and both of us could never, be wrong. It's never addressed. It's never no addressed. She's there on page two, but the story is moving so quickly that, and we don't really know what the power set is. So right. it's kind of, it doesn't really matter who, right. who the character is. Do we want to talk about what Magneto is in this story? Because that's well, also I, a I weird little I think we can do a touch. quick plot recap to just show how much is in this like 32 page. Like this is a mildly oversized comic. Right. Because it's Rogue, who's not really an X-Man, but kind of, Mm -hmm. gets captured by Amanda Sefton and her team of the Azure, who, okay, I I do like this because it's all the blue mutants, and I love (laughs) any time that people (laughs) point out, there's a lot of blue mutants. So Nightcrawler and Beast and Mystique, they're all baddies. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, there's a big, big fight scene, and then you find out that the entire plot was for Rogue to channel Magneto or the Phoenix Force. It's not very clear, but then Magneto is a ghost and he has already possessed a sumo version of Colossus, which I find both probably mildly offensive and also charming. That is one of the weirdest touches. Like, the, And this goes back to what we were talking about at the start, where you're talking about a Western... Uh, you know, interpretation of, of Eastern culture. And there's all these little touches like the characters walking through um, a, a Japanese garden. Mm-hmm. And then, and then it just starts like hitting you over the head. It's like, Oh, here's Colossus who there's no warning that he's coming whatsoever. And he is a, a robot metal sumo wrestler. Um, it's who just like, appears out of nowhere and is possessed yeah. by ghost Magneto. It's over the top to the extreme. Um, and yeah, you're right. Rogue kind of pulls the heroes for hope here where she absorbs a bunch of powers to uh, to be the deus ex machina at the end she, here. She like has a bad version of the Phoenix Force. It's very uh, yeah. odd. Yep. It's, it's bonkers. Um, but yeah, it, it, and it's just, it's a weird, weird comic book. Um, so that on the last page where it says the end for now, I was thinking, eh, that, that that should be the end. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I'm fine with this. There doesn't need to be more. No, no, I was totally fine. I never needed to see uh, a laser uh, claw Wolverine with the Omega symbol on his face again. Yes, you know, that's a bad design. Well, the Cyclops one is weird too, with the Cyclops, uh, the giant robot eyeball. Yes, um, he, he's a literal Cyclops. But Cyclops does something I really like in this. He has a horrible one-liner. His opening scene is Cyclops blowing a hole in a wall, as he does. Yeah. To say, don't you people know you should never try and run a red light? <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I love it. It's, it's, this is weird. It's I don't so weird. think it's good though. Um, well, I, I don't think it really has, I, I don't know what the um, restraints might've been, you know, in terms of like whether this could have been a mini or whether this had to be a one shot, mm-hmm. but it's so rushed um, you know, things are very unclear in terms of who even the characters are and what's going on that you have to read a lot between the lines. Um, and, and none of that is subtle at all. Yeah. It, so, it I don't drops think you great. in, it drops you in like there's been at least an entire arc of comics before this. Yes. 
and yeah, that's it, not it, the case. Yeah, it's it feels like you're jumping into issue two. Um, you know, there's some recap that happens, but it's so fast that you're not really sure or what or why. Right. Um, so yeah, it, it's a fun weird artifact of an era i think mm -hmm. and for a desire to as some of the other things we'll talk about too seem to be kind of um trying to wedge their way into this marketplace but um it's certainly not essential by any no. stretch of the imagination now I'll, I'll tell you i definitely think it's worse than no more humans which is currently number 18 on our list yeah i don't i mean i think if i'm gonna revisit a book because the two books we have at 18 and 19 are no more humans and the new mutant summer special. Um, I think visually I would rather go back to the new mutant summer special so that I mm -hmm. can like go back to the Brett Blevins art and, and hang out with that a little bit more. I don't know that I'm going to revisit this, but I no. also don't know that it is as incoherent as heroes for hope. It's um, close. It's close because it's it's going really fast. But Heroes for Hope also has, as we noted on that show, it has some really great uh, little vignettes by some great artists. So yeah. um, I don't know. Where, I where do you want to rank Heroes, it? I think Heroes to Hope, for Hope has more to bring to the table okay. than this. I think the New Mutants Summer Special has more to bring to the table. Like I'd rather Absolutely. read that New Mutants one again. I don't think it's better than God Loves Man Kills 2. Uh, no. I think no, God Loves Man Kills 2 is very bottom. bad. Yeah. So I I think this can slide in as the new number twenty one on our list, our ever growing list. Mm -hmm. Marvel Mangaverse X Men. I love it. Okay, want to talk yeah. about something we're not gonna love? Oh God, I'm dreading this. <laughs> we have I'm dreading okay. This. So this was a request by someone who I I've talked to on on the Twitters. I've talked to about X Men for a while. They requested what they said the one X Men story they refused to own. That's a that's an absolutely amazing description of what it is we are about to describe. Uh, this this was a three issue miniseries that started in two thousand three. It is called X Men Phoenix Legacy of Fire. Ah. Okay, <laughs> no. so the first thing you have to know about this book. Uh, well, I guess the first thing, it's 100% written, penciled, inked, colored, er, but not lettered. So everything but the letters was done by Ryan Kinnard, who is well known for being a very uh, fan service anime-y Western guy. Yeah, to this day. I think we just looked his stuff up, uh, you know, knowing that we were going to cover this. And, he had something and this super is... recent. I forget what it was. It this was, is his thing. This is what he does. Yeah, it's... Yeah, this book... This book was originally... The first issue is a Marvel PG Plus rated book. Right. So, less than a teen book, which is where most of their books are nowadays. Mm -hmm. The cover features Gina Pryor, who is an equivalent of Jean Grey, wearing a... Uh, jacket like one of those one of those half half chest length jackets mm -hmm. uh, like kind of like a dressier thing like you might you might throw it over like as a fancier cardigan or something like that and she is wearing a Almost nothing a bikini that covers covers the areolas and just a thong that's there for legal reasons yeah, it's a metal decal. Yep. <laughs> it's, yeah, everything's exactly just right. sort of like it's, stuck on there. It's pasted on. 
and 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 in certain points throughout the book these things look like they're peeling off or they're going to fall off yes and, oh boy this, I mean, this book got the Max Comics designations on issues two and three because someone at Marvel realized this is <laughs> not something that children need. Yeah, I mean, I, I made the joke that, you know, like, it, it's almost as if we should be recording from jail right now after having read this because it it feels like that. Like, if you if you are reading this and looking at this, you're probably, even if it's just out of curiosity, you're probably going to want to hide this from people. Yeah. You know, this... you're not going to want anybody to catch you watching and looking at this because it is creepy. Like, it is really creepy. Like I've, I've told my wife about this. I mm-hmm. not, not because I have to tell my wife every time I see a scantily clad woman, I wanted her to know what weird stuff we let happen in the world of X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> I showed that, her these things, and yeah. I swear, if she walks in this room, I'm going to cover up the screen. Like, oh no, I'm not. I'm not looking at what? What? This is bad. This is softcore pornography with an X Men label on it. Well, and we, I, I want to just get right to the meat of what the problem is with this book. Um, first of all, there is not a lot of substance here. The no. the plot of this book is messy and confusing and it's a weird sort of fantasy thing set in space, I guess. It's set in, it's set in Mangaverse Limbo. Sure. It serves essentially to be a portfolio showcase for this artist to draw these two main characters. Um one I guess is the the Analog to Jean Grey, the other one being a Madeline Pryor. Yeah, they're, they're um, sisters, Jenna Grey, or Jenna Pyre and Madeline Pyre. Pyre, right. not Pryor. Get it? Because of fire. Fire, Pyre. It's, it's, it's revolutionary. Um, it's <laughs> and it's brilliant. This is, this is very, and it's very deep writing. Good job, yeah. Brian. But every single page of this, for the most part, there's, there's a couple of exceptions, is uh, illustrations of these two characters in some form of undress, mm-hmm. the two characters are described as being ancient, but this is the core of the problem. They are underage girls. Yeah. This is why you're not going to want to pick this up. If you find it, you're going to be tempted to burn it because it is a mate. Like what I wrote down on my notes is just why does this exist? Why is this a product that Marvel thought that the public needed? And I know you had some thoughts on this. So yeah, it's so this is this is frustrating to me. I mean, just I know I know we're focusing on the depictions of the characters and the sexualization in this book, and I I don't want that to take away from the fact, and we're just not touching it because there's not a lot there. The story sucks. The art is not actually very good. Hmm. All all that like the from a technical standpoint, this is a bad comic. I want that yes. to be very clear because I know how it can come off that we are being very much, oh, I don't like this un yes, this state of undress in my characters. No, this is a very bad book. It's very incoherent. It's something about an ancient Phoenix sword that Jean Grey, Jean Jenna Pyre, whatever she's Jean Grey, uh, has to, you know, wield because Madeline can't anymore and it has to be passed down to her, and then the Shadow King wants it, and then Jean instead turns it into Phoenix power and defeats the Shadow King, and they go back home to giggle like schoolgirls. All and, that. And, and lay in hot tubs. And... Now, oh, there's, there's, there's bathhouse scenes in this. It's, it's so weird. So all of, all of that aside, it's a very bad book. 
just from a technical standpoint, it's not enjoyable to read. You don't get any anything good out of the story. Like there's fan service guys, like a a Frank Chow or something like that. I don't like how fan servicey. I don't like the way he does things. But most of the time, his art is technically very good. He he Mm -hmm. has an excellent style. He normally is working with artists who are telling very coherent stories, very good stories. This is none of that. And no. then it gets to a level of offensive. There's two there's two pages and they go back to one to one to another. The first one, it's just it's talking about these two girls, the sisters, journey across limbo to stop the Shadow King. One of them they fight skeletons, and they're two thousand three ass CGI skeletons. And it looks horrible. If if you're an Iron Maiden fan, it looks like the Dance of Death cover. It's mm-hmm. very bad. And then I, I'm assuming you want to get into the other. Uh, yes, this is the one the scene worst of the worst. that gets. This is the one th- scene that really just upsets me in this book, more than anything else. It's titled "Day 17" on their you know month long journey or whatever. Madeline goes to scout ahead. Jean is writing this in her journal. She finds that a succubus, who Madeline calls Eliana, has captured Jean. And sexually assaults her, and they play it off for both titillation and for laughs. the The art is straight up. Oh, you should you should like this. This should arouse you. The writing is. Oh, this is look at this funny cute thing that happened. Some demon tried to screw me. Oh, it's so funny. There's there's a certain point where I I can not approach something objectively. Yeah, and that's the line for me. It gets to a level where this is reprehensible. This is a bad thing, and everyone involved, including CB Sabolsky, who edited this, who is still the senior vice president of creator or creative and creator development at Marvel, and I'm sure he would have thoughts on this if he was asked about it today. I don't want to make any judgments about him as a person today. No, but everyone should feel bad that they have their name on this book. <laughs> It is unequivocally the worst X-Men thing to ever exist, and I'm someone who has screamed about the Draco for hours and hours and hours on end. It It, it is incomprehensible to me that the publisher actually went forward to print with this, you know, because it, there are so many levels of, of, of anywhere from the pitch to the green light to the actual art production, how this... I mean, let's say you even get past issue one, issue one gets created and it gets out into the market. I mean, wouldn't somebody have just scratched their head and gone, yeah, we're not going to do the other two. Well, they were aware enough. They were aware enough after issue one. Change their their creating. I'm, I'm, I, I would finally, I would give them the benefit of the doubt. One got through and you know, this is a weird side product of a side product. It gets out and then somebody from the up says, what the, what are you releasing? No. Yeah. But instead, they still released it. They said, let's hide it. Let's cover it up. Let's still put this out there. To me, I'm, this is not saying you should censor things. You shouldn't have sexuality in media. None of those things. At a certain point, your brand has to stand for something. And this is not what Marvel as a whole has stood for. This is not what X-Men as a whole has stood for. Like, X-Men has a lot of sexualized characters. X-Men, that's... That's a thing that happened in the 90s. Jim Lee was very right. good at drawing what 14-year-old boys thought was pretty girls. But this is this is a different level of it. Our, I, I, we, 
we've killed this thing. Adam, what what are your thoughts on this? Because I'm just getting mad talking about it. So one of the things that I think is really, really troubling about this is that um, the the manga boom, as, as you see it in the news, um, going back to the early 2000s, is that there was the benefit that um, girls were getting into it. You know, um, especially teenage girls were starting to get interested in comic books through the manga boom. They were buying those books. It was a gateway into the wide variety of different comic books, whether they be graphic novels, superheroes, you know, indie comics, whatever it is. Um, this was really a, a, a boom in the industry that fell to them um, and their interests. And unfortunately, there are. I mean, again, we're talking from an outsider experience, but from my understanding, there is an aspect of both anime and manga that delves into, you know, this level of sexualizing young people. Oh, it's fan service. Um, fan service. Right. And, um, you know, unfortunately, it, it just makes me sad more than anything else that when we're talking about not the first book that we talked about seemed like just kind of a fun way to try and make a connection between the Marvel characters and this burgeoning market. Um, but this book is trying to go to like the most evil place <laughs> of those tendencies and the, and the, and what is going on in that genre that I, I'm just mystified. Um, you know, as it exists and whatever. So once we finish talking about this, I really don't think I ever want to think about it again. And, um, you know, it, it's just an interesting chapter. I'd love to know maybe the backstory of like who thought this was a good idea and why it got made. Oh yeah. I, I, I could spend 15 minutes talking to CB Sabolsky, uh, about this just, just yeah. to get an understanding of where, where Marvel was at in those days. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. I think, yeah. I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about this, and I think for good reason, because one, people don't know about this. It doesn't make the list of, this is the weirdest X-Men thing you ever heard of. This is the worst X-Men story, and it should. This is number 23 on our list right now. I am struggling to think of anything that's ever going to go lower than it, so maybe our podcast has peaked at episode uh, 8, but what have you. <laughs> that's X-Men Phoenix Legacy of Fire, and... After this, we never have to talk about it again. Thank God. Let it burn. <sighs> Our last book. Because we did not want... one we like. Yes, we didn't <laughs> want to end this on Legacy of Fire because that would be depressing. It is a... This is an odd one. This is also from 2003. This is about the same time. But this is called mm -hmm. Wolverine Snicked. It has art by Sutomi Nihai. Now, I did some research on Sutomi Nihai. He is a manga artist over in Japan, where manga's made. Mm -hmm. uh, and he has a he's a like cyberpunky guy, and he has like a lot of success with some stuff called Blame, Knights of Sidonia, and Biomega. Whoa! Which all sounds cool. Those all sound like manga names. I haven't read yeah. any of them. No. But he got this Wolverine book, mm -hmm. and you know what? This Wolverine book's pretty cool. Oh, it is really cool. And uh, it, it, as a as a premise, you know, I'm reading the first couple pages and going, okay, we've got this character walks up to Wolverine and teleports them into sort of like zombie land. Yes. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. I got to the end of the, the final book. I was like, this is cool. I, what? <laughs> the best part is this is all canon. This really happened to 616, rest in peace, 
covered in adamantium, now Wolverine. And I guess yeah. technically Old Man Logan. Sure. Uh, and it's a story about Wolverine getting sent to the future, a apocalyptic future where there are these creatures called the Mandate, and they're these biotechnical organisms. They are very, they are very manga-y things. Like, this is, these are, uh, these are Eastern trope things. Like, it's Akira mixed with cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he works with a group of human survivors and their awesome robot friend named the Colonel. Ah, uh, the Colonel. To, Love the Colonel. Yeah, to destroy <laughs> these Mandate guys, because they can only be destroyed by adamantium. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then you just get five issues of Wolverine stabbing stuff. Hacking and slashing, and right? To me, this is so cool. So this, we talked about uh, Mangaverse as being Western comics filtered through what Western people think of Eastern media by Western mm -hmm. people. Right. This is a Western property given to a manga artist and said, make a comic book out of this. Make... From your experience, make what you think a comic book should be out of this. Yeah. And it's so much better. It This this doesn't have the tropes. Like, it has that cyberpunky thing uh, that we were talking about. Kind of that, I guess, the uh, biotechnical organisms thing. Which you mm -hmm. see that in some uh, manga and anime and stuff. But it improves on that. Like, it makes it feel like this is the same way as if the X-Men are doing a Dracula story, or if the X-Men are doing a sci-fi story. It's yeah. using the X, using tropes with the X-Men, not turning the X-Men into trope, into the tropes. Well, and we've talked before about the idea that Wolverine is, is whoever you want him to be. Yes. And this is a great example of that, because this, this story doesn't necessarily need Wolverine, but the way it's set up and why he's needed for this story is just, just smart enough. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like the deepest thing in the world. This is obviously set up just to do, you know, the, the action stuff, but it's just smart enough that it's really fun. Um, <laughs> I, I wrote down that this feels like um, almost like great storyboard art um, for an animated uh, film yes. or, um, or even the, the one thing I kept thinking about while I was reading this was I want this to be a video game. Mm -hmm. Like I want this to be 3d rendered and I want to play as Wolverine or the Colonel in like tandem. And, and I want to go like kill some mandate. Yeah. Doing this, you know, shadow of Colossus style giant monster fighting thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it would work. Honestly, I think it would make for a really good game. I know the X-Men don't have the greatest history in video games. Hey, Legends was uh, okay. Yeah, oh no, I like Legends. I, I you know, there's there's good X-Men video games and then there's some some questionable ones, but this would be it feels that way. Yeah. Like you get that rush. Um, you know, I was kind of surprised at how much I like this uh to the point where uh spoiler alert, Colonel does bite it uh towards the brother. end. And I was like, "Oh, the Colonel." And I'm like, "Why am I thinking that?" Morning you till I join <laughs> like, you. Yeah, like why? Why am I feeling emotional about the Colonel uh, uh, going? But it's done in a very smart way. It's very um, good. It, it really does a good job of framing everything cinematically. So um, I, I would definitely recommend this. It's fun. This is this is five issues. It's very fast. This is an action comic. This is sparse on dialogue, which can work for a Wolverine story real well. The art is strong. With the to me, the exception of the Wolverine design on this, mm. he looks like a. Uh, he looks like an anime bad boy. 
Yeah, yeah. He looks young, you know, right off the bat. Right. Um, Because he's wearing his Frank Quitely outfit. (laughs) But yeah, he's got he's got the leather jacket, but he's not open chested. I don't I don't think which would have made this better. I'm going to say straight up right now, if you can get chest hair Wolverine in this, that that'll elevate it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I, I, I think this is fun. It is certainly not essential. It is really light. Um, but it's fun. And if you like Wolverine stories, uh, this is one you want to track down. Yeah, This is one that I want a Wolverine writer. So Ed Brisson, when you listen to this, cause I know you do, I don't know if he does, uh, mm. fingers crossed, fingers crossed. I want you to find this, realize that the mandate's a cool one-off villain that you can just use and do this again. Like this is, this should be the next Wolverine goes to Japan story. Because every run hmm. has to have one. This should be somebody's yeah. Wolverine Goes to Japan story. It's a lot so this of fun. Is never, it's never been revisited in any way? I, with my brief Marvel Wikia-ing, I couldn't find anything that revisited hmm. Wolverine Snicked. That's interesting. I mean, there's some good possibilities here. Yeah, there's there's uh, a lot of fun yeah. ideas. Yeah. So where where do you think it goes on our big old list? This is tricky. Uh, it is certainly not essential. Mm-hmm. Um I like it. I, I think it's actually going to be higher than I thought it would be. Me too. Uh, here, here's what if I'm going to say. Yeah, go go for it. I think it is definitely better than Fatal Attractions. Yeah, I'm starting to look in that part of the list too. I don't think it's as good as Giant Size Number One. And just just to throw throw this out there, Len Wein passed away uh, on Sunday Oof. as we're recording yeah. this. Uh, I don't want to get too deep because I know people who have a lot more to say about it said a lot more, but all I know is Sunday I was watching football, found out about the news, and I had a hard time focusing on the football game. He brought a lot of cool characters, including Wolverine, into this world. Had a hand Storm. in, yeah, he had a hand in Wolverine, Storm, Colossus, Nightcrawler, Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. He's the guy who edited Watchmen. <laughs> Len Wayne changed the, uh, comics industry and you know it's it's a it's a big loss and i appreciate everything he did so i can do nothing but echo those sentiments uh it it, it was very sad to hear what's what's very moving though is to hear all of the amazing stories um even just on twitter from the people that worked with him the people that loved him so uh, I'm really happy that he's getting the attention and the praise that he deserves. Right. Um, hopefully, hopefully people shared that with him uh, in, in his final uh, years. But uh, you know, we're we're certainly grateful for what he contributed. All right, so back to the list. Yeah, now that we brought the podcast real far down, so we know it's, <laughs> it's between number eleven, giant size number one, and number fifteen, fatal attractions. Between that, yeah. we have Excalibur, Mojo Mayhem, Battle mm-hmm. of the Atom, and Exiles one and two. If I was going to squeeze it somewhere, I think I'd probably squeeze it between Battle of the Atom and Exiles. That's exactly where I was looking. That's exactly where I was looking. I like Battle of the Atom a lot, and it means a little bit more, where Exiles I wasn't super hot on. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to explore Exiles a little bit more, but, um, you know, this was really fun, and I think I liked it more. Yeah, this this is worth reading. It's on Unlimited, so go pick this up, guys. Go go spend 20 minutes reading this series. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. That brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, If you like Battle of the Atom, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash Xavier Files and chip in a little bit uh, if you uh, feel so so inclined. At the $2 a month support level, 
you can get one of your stories bumped to the tippity top of our to-do list. And, you know, you can make us talk about stuff like uh, Legacy of Fire or whatever. Please don't. Please don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pick good stuff. I, I, yeah. Don't do that anymore, Nier. Uh, so beyond that, uh, if if you just don't want to do that or you don't have the money or whatever, I mean, you can always, like, if you like us, go on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play and rate and review. That always helps us out a ton. Uh, if you like the stuff that I do, uh, you can go to XavierFiles.com where I have weekly articles about the X-Men. I also talk about them on Twitter at XavierFiles. Uh, this week we covered Bishop, who's a character that's real interesting to you, Adam, because Adam, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at adamrec.tumblr.com, uh, where new issues, new, I shouldn't say issues. I wish I was making issues at a time. New pages of Bish and Jubes go up. Um, and then you can also follow me on Arthur Stacy, uh, at, on Twitter. Yeah, it's, it's good stuff. So this has been, this has been a good episode. I don't want to do another we, themed episode again. Not for a little <laughs> bit. We need some variety up yeah. in her. Yeah, but that that was fun. I'm glad I'm glad we we did that. I felt like there was an emotional roller coaster. It was a lot of good, a lot of bad. So until next week, sayonara, guys. This has been Battle of the Atom. I hope you survive the experience. Yeah.